Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 656 for October 11th, 2020, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchotts, back with Programming by Stealth, episode 103. Hi, Bart. Wow. Hello. Did you say it was... <laughs> so, this is... This is a big day. This is actually the fifth anniversary of Programming by Stealth. Like down to the day or within a few days? Well, Friday. Friday was the exact fifth anniversary. Isn't that crazy? That's mad. Also, these show notes didn't have one character written on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) But I think this is uh, something to celebrate, Bart, that we've come a long way from early HTML days and uh, into CSS and the... uh, the the long uphill slog until Allison finally started to actually get what uh, JavaScript was all about. Well, if you think about way back then, would you believe me that you'd be writing web apps and you'd be committed, contributing to open source projects and writing open source books behind my back? And <laughs> <laughs> hey, so not only that, I have another surprise for you in my growth as uh, I believe Helma referred to me as a badass developer. Ooh, now I uh, contributed to an open source library that you didn't know I was working on. Go on. So the uh, Bootstrap Autocomplete plugin that we are using that you directed me to for the uh, dropdown for our world clock to be able to search for all the time zones. um, I've been trying to change my clock to where people could add more clocks. So I'm doing true proper class instances now. Yeah. Well, guess what? That plugin doesn't have any way to tell you which text box you were in when you searched so as soon as you've got a second clock it's like i don't know where to put the answer what did what are you talking about these are all the same so i suggested a little index in there and this was with some help with dorothy dorothy and i were working on trying to figure it out and she said well it can't be done and i said well wait a minute this is open source i can suggest this to the guy so she helped me figure out how to write it and then helma helped me figure out how to be a little more elegant in my explanation and help me figure out how to actually contribute it and how to create the um, the issue first and then point to the issue in the, the pull request. I have not heard back yet, but it, it's just a simple one line. Give me one more option yeah. in that plugin. Wow, cool. And whether or not uh, Hunaris uh, accepts it or not, since it's open source, I was able to change it on my end and it works in my, in my uh, clock. Yeah, and so your GitHub account now has a fork of that project, and you can keep you can keep your change even if he never fixes his end, and you can actually pull his changes if as he makes this project better, you can pull his changes and keep your change. Ooh, that's crazy. It is. Crazy. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's you know that that is the whole power of source control. So you can keep your change while continuing to get his changes. It's great. I like it. I like yeah. it. Well, super. We should probably get going, but I thought uh, you'd appreciate that I was doing real honest to gosh, you know, contribute to the community stuff here. I'm well impressed because remember, getting to the contribute to the community bit is our goal for this little sub series within a series on Git. So you're you're already ahead of the teacher. Well, okay, that's not quite true. I run open <laughs> source true. projects, but ahead of the class. Ahead maybe. of the class. That's the one. So where we had left our story um, was that we had. Explained how Git works. Uh, so we said it was a you know it had three parts. Uh, you had the database, which contains the permanent storage. 
you had the um the working copy where you're making your changes and then you had the index which is managing the difference between the two and which is allowing you to control the flow of changes from your working copy into your database of permanent versions right and we described the fact that a repository would generally be used to represent a single creative project of some kind and really it could be anything from you know a book to anything really um but it was one it was one work it was uh, you know a repository was a thing that you wanted to version and then we stopped just short of letting you make one which you were quite cranky about <laughs> so we had the the pony had the uh, the nose out of the barn but we didn't get to go out yet we didn't which was mainly a time thing although to be honest given how long this this installment has worked out it was probably for the best actually because i think we'll do a better job of it this time so okay, good. again, the main takeaways from last time I want you to remember is that we have these three things, your database, your working copy and your index to manage movement from one to the other. And also just a reminder, I'm just going to keep reminding you every time because it's so important, is that a git commit is a complete snapshot of the full state of your creative project. And that becomes important later when we start to do scary things like deleting branches and stuff. Your, your commit is complete. It is, it is a full, full copy. That actually really surprised me when you said that last week. I assumed it was a delta. Yes, which is how most source control in the past worked. So you're, you're by no means, I'm not surprised you're surprised. <laughs> it's not like I sense. was an expert in those, though. I was surprised. Um, when I, when I, it was one of the things that made me very confused about moving to Git because I spent so much time in the subversion worlds that Git was really quite a culture shock to me. Um, you know, because that's just not how I was I can used imagine. To yeah. Okay, so let's just get stuck in. So my challenge at the end of the last segment, was, or the last installment, was for you to install Git. So I am going to assume for this installment that everyone either is happy to listen along and not play along, or have installed Git. I'm also going to assume that you're happy to listen along and not play along, or that you're comfortable enough on the terminal to change to a folder and type in some commands. Okay. Having, and if you're uh, not, taking the book course, taming the terminal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have linked to it a few times in this installment, actually. Um, good, good. He's talking about the taming so, the terminal book, of course. Like, yeah. Now we're having a little bit more Skype lag, I think, than usual. So we're talking on top of each other a little bit. Apologize for that. Yeah, we, we. I guess San Diego is not as good as uh, as, as your Los part Angeles. of California. <laughs> yeah. I was drawing a blank on Los Angeles for some reason. What a strange thing to draw a blank on. Um, so, in terms of the terminal, all of Git's functionality, everything Git can do, is packaged into one terminal command called Git, which is an unusual approach, but. They do that by having the concept of sub-commands. So the first, so git is the command from a bash sort of a level, but git itself expects you to pass immediately after git a second, what is effectively the first argument, but which git interprets as the specific git command. So that's okay. often talked about as the sub-command model. So you would say git some verb, and then whatever arguments it needs. So git commit, blah, blah, blah. Git 
check out, blah, blah, blah. Git status. Git init. Git clone. Right? It's always git space what you want to do, which is called okay. the sub command. Okay, that makes sense. It does make sense. And it's usually a verb, which is nice. So it's git thou shalt, you know. I kind of like it. <laughs> um, and then whatever arguments you need come after the command. So when I say the first argument, if you if you have your taming the terminal hat on, I'm out by one because the first argument is the sub command. But in git speak, the first argument is what comes after the sub command. So if I say okay. git check out master, the first argument is master, even though it's oh, okay. technically right, right. the second argument, if you're going to get pernickety, if that makes sense. Hey, we'll uh, just count from zero. Exactly. That way the first one is the one we care about. Yeah. Um, there is a man page for git, um, but there are also separate man pages for each git command. It's each git subcommand, and they are, you'll get them going man space git dash whatever the subcommand. So the man page for git commit is man git man space git dash commit. Okay. So it's a, it's a very sensible pattern. So before we start using git, we should configure we should learn about the fact that git has a concept of configuration and it 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 has a a whole system around configuration that's a, that I think it's important we understand. So the first point to make is that Git categorizes its settings. So every Git setting belongs to what what I would conceptually call a category, but Git doesn't. Git calls it a section. And inside each section, we have key value pairs like in a dictionary. So like we'd be used to with our programming hat on. So Git settings are grouped into... Sections. Yes. So okay. section name dot key, and then it'll have a value. Okay. So the other thing, so it's always going to be, and you always write them as section dot key. So an example is user dot name, which is the name that it will put into your commits. So when you when you do a commit, mm. your name gets put in as the author of the commit, and it reads that from the setting name in the section user. So you will see that on the terminal as user.name. Okay. Okay, because user is a section. User is the section. So there's also user.email, okay. which also goes into oh. your commit. So you okay. user.name okay. makes... and user.email. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Now, the extra confusion, which, which isn't a bad thing because it's actually a very clever approach, but Git settings exist in three different levels, they call them. You can think of them as different scopes. And... That means that you can sort of have like a, a, a computer-wide default, a user-wide default, and a repository-specific value. Hmm. So okay. you might you might by default always contribute with an email address of say, okay, I can say this out loud without risk of any more spam because it's on my GitHub profile. But the email address I use for all my open source projects is open source at bardifizzer.net. So that okay. is set as my system-wide default. But I may want to contribute to uh, something that's not on GitHub, um, and I may actually want to have a different contact email address for that repository. So I can actually put that setting into the repository, and then everywhere else I have my default, which is system-wide, but in that one repository, it's reading the local value. 
Huh. And the local values, what the way you have configured, so you can, if you configure this specific repo on your local machine with a specific email address, then that's it'll obey that. But if it's got nothing there, it'll look at the system-wide default? Correct. Exactly. So you have these okay. three levels, and if it finds nothing at the, the smallest level, it goes to the next level, and then it goes to the next level. So it allows you quite a lot of control. So okay. the levels, gotcha. so the first level, the most in-depth level, which is called local, <clears throat> is within a single repository. So the setting is actually saved in the repository. And then if you okay. change directory out of the repository, the setting poofs into the ether, doesn't exist. The second- So when I commit that, re that repo, that setting goes with it. The local setting goes with it. Well, the local setting is, it's not a part of a commit because it's not, the setting is not part of your project. The setting is part of the repository. So the setting is like, so you, technically speaking, you have the database, the working copy, the index, and your settings. Okay. Okay. So you're not versioning the settings. The settings are just part of the repository. They're metadata on the repository. So they don't go up if I were to push that repo to GitHub. Yes, which is very important because it means that if someone else pulls it down, they don't get your name and email address. Right? If they so when you when you cloned PBS, mm -hmm. you didn't get name Bart Bouchot's email address open source at bartificer.net. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, got you. That wouldn't make any sense at all. Okay. Exactly. So the settings are in your local copy and they don't go up and down. So they're, they're kind of weird. They're, they're yours. They're, they're very personal. Okay. Uh, so the second level that you can control things at is at the operating system user. So your user account on the Mac or your user account on Linux or your user account on Windows. Okay. And that's the most useful place to store stuff. Because it means that it's your default. It's not if you know if Steve shared your computer, it wouldn't apply to him, but it applies everywhere you go on your computer, and that is rather okay. confusingly called global, even though it's the middle of the three <laughs> settings. Okay, you know, the, like I said, the naming in Git is not perfect. Trees and branches having nothing to do with each other is one example. Calling something that's at the middle of a three-level hierarchy global—it's a bit like Miss America <laughs> or the the World Series. <laughs> Right, right. Actually, sorry, the World Series is what I meant. That, that one always irks me. Oh, but it includes Canada, so it's the world. <laughs> anyway, um, so that's the middle one, uh, your user account, which is called global. And then finally, you can actually define settings at the operating system level. So this would be more useful in a corporate environment where you could have corporate IT saying that if you don't set your own details, then we're going to apply these settings as a global default across everyone sharing the computer. And that's okay. called system. So you have local, global, and system. With okay. global As a being home in the user, middle. we would be unlikely to, to be using this system level setting. I have never used a system level setting. Okay. Because I care about but me. It's there. So my, my global settings get, I, in fact, I have never in the real world used a repository level setting. And I have never in the real world used a system level setting. I, I just put everything into global, which is a good place to put it. But in theory, you can. Theory's good. So the way it works is if Git wants to know the value of a setting to do something, say there's a setting core.editor we'll see more about in a moment, it starts off and it says, what folder am I in? Is this folder in a Git repository at all? If it is in a Git repository, it asks that repository, do you have a local value for the key editor in the section core? If there is, it just uses it and checks no further. 
if there isn't a value available, it goes up a level. It says, uh, anything here at the global level? If there is, it uses it. If not, it goes up another level and has a look at the system level. And if that fails, it uses the default baked into the git command. If there is one, or else it throws an error. If it needs the setting and you haven't given it one, if that makes sense. Huh. But in general, okay. I just use it- a default. Okay, in general, it would probably have a setting, right? In general, yeah. But hypothetically, if you do certain things, it may just need something from you. And if you don't have it defined, it may have no choice but to to get cranky at you. But you told me to, and I don't... Um, Under the hood, deep down, it won't come as a surprise to you, given that it's it's a tool written by the guy who wrote Linux... That under the hood, it's actually saving all of this information in text files. So there's specially named hidden text files that contain these settings. There's a special place it goes inside the repositories.git folder. There's a special place it goes in your home folder. And there's a special place it goes at the system level. But that actually... Sorry, carry on. I I just want to ask a question here. Um, Alistair Jenks was talking in our Slack group at podfeed.com slash Slack about doing a a nuke and pave of his machine and Mm -hmm. becoming paralyzed thinking, oh my gosh, what are all the places I've configured things Mm. in the last, say, three years since I did a nuke and pave? Would this be something you'd have to remember where you did this? Um, Well... It varies from operating system to operating system, but what Git does is whatever is culturally appropriate for the operating system you're on. (laughs) So in Windows, it goes into your user data folder, and on Unixy operating systems like the Mac, it's a dot file in your home directory. So Alistair being a, a bona fide nerd is going to be checking his home directory for dot files. In fact, he's probably going to take his whole home directory with him as he does a new can pave, so hey presto, it comes along. Okay, but good to note to do that. Yes, precisely. Um, And that's why I'm being very vague about these paths, because basically Git just behaves like a good citizen wherever it finds itself, and it does the appropriate thing. Um, And the same is true at the system level. So on a Linux, it'll be in slash etc slash git, I think is where it puts it, or git config or something sensible like that. They exist on the file system as files, and they're actually in a, a strange choice of format. They're in the INI format from the ye olde Windows days, if you remember editing INI files. I've heard of such a thing. I never had the, ex- the delightful experience, but... Delightful is one word for it. Uh, they were human-readable. That's, that's, <laughs> that is one advantage they had, but the only advantage they had, but anyway. Um... Rather than than directly manipulating them, what git wants you to do is to use a special git sub command, git config, and git config will read those files, it'll edit those files, or it will even allow you to open those files, but it will deal with figuring out where the file is for you. It'll do all of that as appropriate. So regardless of whether you're on Windows, Linux, or a Mac, you can use the git config command to manipulate your config without having to know where the file happens to be stored. Okay. Very convenient. So the first thing we can do to get practical, if you pop open a terminal and you don't have to be inside a repository, right? Because we haven't created one yet, right? If you just Mm -hmm. type git space config space minus minus list, you will see all of the git commands currently configured on your system, which I imagine is going to be none. But maybe, maybe, um, maybe not. Depends. I have a bunch. You have a bunch. 
Are you? And I've current- never gone into this. Are you? Cur- you're not currently in the folder for the PBS repo by any chance? Uh, no. Let me PWD all over that. Nope. I'm in user slash Allison. Interesting. I've so got you- a user email. I've got a user dot name. I've got core exclude files. Oh wow! So I one I have clients- done messing around. Well, one of your GUI clients has done some config for you. Okay, so it'll make it, it into- a little harder for me to. Yeah, and the, the, the ignore file is useful, actually. So that's interesting that one of your clients has been clever enough to write the user-level ignore file. Um, I remember trying to get it to ignore a folder. It still doesn't, but I, I took active action to make that one happen. But the other ah. stuff I don't... like. Uh, source tree is what I've been using for Git, and it, the client I've been using, the GUI client, and it is referenced here in a bunch of commands, too. Yeah, okay, so that makes sense. So it has basically saved some stuff for you into your okay. global git config. Sensible okay. thing for today. I will I will try to ignore those things. Well, no, it's fine because it's quite unnormal to have stuff in there. So don't worry, you know, it, it, it's it's normal. Okay. Um so git config minus minus list will show you everything regardless of where it came from. So if you happen to be in a folder, like if you were to go into the folder for PBS103 and you were to do the same command again, you'd probably see more stuff. Because the chances are source tree has actually written some fo- some config for you into the repository as well. The chances hmm. are what you will find is mappings between local branches and remote branches, so that when you do a git push and a git pull, you don't have to tell it every time where to pull to and where to push from. Sorry, where to pull hmm. from and where to push to. That's saved as a config. So the chances okay. are, if you were to open a terminal in the PBS repo, you would see more settings even than you're seeing in your home dear. Okay. Um, you can use, so if you just do a git config minus minus list, you see everything that is valid for your current working directory, regardless of whether it was set at the local, global, or system level. If you only want to see what's set locally, so you're inside a repo and you want to see what's local to the repo, you can give it the argument minus minus local, uh, or minus minus global, or minus minus system. So just and you add that to git config minus minus list, or in fact any of the git config commands. Any git config command will take those three flags, so that you can be specific about what it is you want to do. So you can leave it okay. out sometimes, but if you generally if you're creating a new config, you should tell it where. Do I want to save this to this repo to my account, or if I have root access to the whole system? And then you said in general you use minus minus global? I generally use minus minus global, yeah. Um so if you okay, so to read a specific setting, it's just git space config space name of setting. So to see just what your user.name is, you would say git config user.name. And that'll just show you your name. Before we start to use git we should actually make sure we have our user.name and our user.email configured at the global level because they're going to go into every commit we do. And you have those set up because one of your GUI clients has done it for you, but the listeners at home may very well not have. So the command for reading a single setting is git space config space name of setting. The command for writing a value is git space config space name of setting space new value. But you should always tell it where you want to save this. So it's git space config space minus minus global or minus minus local or minus minus 
system, space name of setting, space value. So I would suggest setting your user.name and user.email so you'll see the command in the show notes, git config minus minus global user.name Bart Bouchards, git config. In quotes. I was good. At, yes. So oh. <laughs> it's it has to be a single argument from a terminal point of view. So if you have a space, the terminal sees that as two arguments. So instead of if I were to just put Bart space Bouchards, the terminal would see that as two values, Bart and Bouchards. But you're saying, no, no, the name is Bart Bouchards. Hence the quotation mark, so that it's one value from a terminal point of view. So let me ask you a question about the importance of that name. Uh, mine is in there as no silicast, which I probably wouldn't. If I were being cute and wanting to use a handle, I would use Podfeet because that's my more generic name. Uh, but you're using your real name, so maybe I want it to be my real name. W- what is the importance of that? And what happens if I change it now? To all the stuff I've done. If you ch- okay, so nothing. This setting is used at a point in time when you create a commit. Whatever is currently in that setting will get baked into that commit, and mm-hmm. it's then baked into the commit. So, so from today forward, I would be Podfeet, but all my past stuff would still say no silicast, and people would think there was two different people doing stuff. Potentially, yes. Okay. Um, so that setting sounds like it came from your GitHub user profile. Probably did, yeah. Yeah, because I started there and came down as opposed to starting locally and pushing up. Yeah. Um, is it more normal, more accepted to use your real name? Um, is that a personal choice? I, I think it's a personal choice. Um, I, I, when I'm doing open source stuff, I like to be me. So mm-hmm. I, I've always done, I've always put my actual name to things and I use the email address open source at bartofvisor.net. So that's just sort of how I've chosen to do it. But there's no, no rule. How, yeah. how would you like to be credited? Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking there's, there's sociology reasons to think about how, how you want to put yourself out there. Like maybe... Um, you want to be a J.K. Rowling who hid the fact that she was a woman so that everybody would read the books that she wrote for Harry Potter, or it's 2020 and it's time to own the fact that, hey, I'm a woman contributing to open source and I should put my name out there. Or I I would choose, not should, but I would like to put my name out there. And they're both valid, right? And very different decisions. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I will have to go do some nasal ga- navel gazing on that. So. Nasal gazing, I like it. <laughs> no. Yeah, that would be hard. Well, uh, certainly down your own nasal passages. Um, and I don't <laughs> want to look down anyone else's, frankly, so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so, uh, okay, but that's something to think about as people set this up for the first time, how they want to weigh those decisions for themselves. Correct. And as I say, you can change your mind and it will change going forward, but whatever you commit, you've committed, you know, it's in the name. Commit is yeah. committed. I'm early um, in my journey, so I, I want to make it count now. Yeah. Uh, the other thing then is if you're doing a lot of setup, you might just want to edit a whole bunch of settings at once. And you can do that by asking the git config command to open the actual config file in a text editor for you. And then you can just type into that text editor in any format. Oh, uh, okay, and because so the git command keep... is a wrapper, it conveniently figures out where the relevant file is. So you say minus minus global, it knows that on a Mac, that means tilde slash dot git settings or whatever. Or if you're on hmm. Windows, it knows it means C drive colon, whatever user data, whatever it is. It also then, 
on the other side has the ability to check your syntax before and to warn you if you've made a boo-boo. So if you were to just open the file directly using your favorite text editor, you would have to know where the file was and you would have to be sure you weren't making mistakes. Whereas if you let Git open it for you, then Git will tell you, will figure out where it is on your behalf, which is easier. And Git will be able to do a syntax check and shout at you if you've made a boo-boo, which is, it's a good sanity check, right? Now, the format is very simple, so you're probably fine, but it's still nice to have that ability. So the way you do that is with the minus minus edit flag. So if you want to edit your global config, you would say git space config space minus minus global minus minus edit. Or the other way around. I just, I just tried that both ways and neither one worked. Git space minus minus global space minus minus mm. edit. You forgot to give git a command. Git space config. Oh, you said I was supposed to use minus minus. Oh, ed- edit is a flag, not a command. Correct. The ed- edit is a flag. So the, we're still working on the git config command. So everything we're doing for now is git space config. Okay. Now, I would say don't do that just yet because okay. unless you have configured it to do otherwise, Git's default behavior on Unixy systems like the Mac is to use Vim, which is a very powerful text editor that is, I would go so far as to say, user hostile. Because if you don't know that the only way to get out of Vim is to go escape colon Q, you're now trapped mm-hmm. in an editor. <laughs> so unless you're comfortable with Vim and you can read Taming the Terminal Installment 11 to become comfortable with Vim, you probably want to actually tell Git to use something else before the first time you make Git open an editor for you. Would you so, believe I learned to use... So Vim is based on VI, correct? It is VI improved is what Vim stands for. Okay, so I learned to use VI when I was a clerk typist as what people in the United States will recognize as a Kelly girl, which oh. is a, a, was a, a um, like you could rent a typist. And that was what oh. I did to make money before while I was in college before I got an engineering internship. And I was having to write in what I found out later on was VI. It was one of the earliest like typing type machines they had, and it was a computer, and it had this keypad. And when I and I had a, I t- I think I took a photo of it or something. Somehow I had the picture of what it looked like. And I later on, when I became a real engineer, saw VI, and I'm like, I've seen Hang this on. before. <laughs> oh, cool! That's how you know you're old, kids. <laughs> Interesting. I wonder did VI inherit from the machine. It was a Wang, and I think Ooh. it may have. I'd have I to look at the this. history. We, uh, we, yeah. our, our machines for doing technical graphics in school were Wangs because they were cheap. <laughs> our school was cheap. Um, so we can control what editor Git uses with the setting core.editor. So the question then is, what editor do we want to use? On a Unixy system... If you want to stay on the command line, I would suggest Nano or its friend Pico. So you could say git space config space minus minus global core dot editor Nano, and that would work fine. If you're so you on only the do Mac, that once, we don't have to do that a lot. Well, right, because you're setting a global config setting, so that's it done. Okay. Right. If you say Good. git config minus minus global core dot editor Nano, that is now saved as your setting. 
Okay. Right? Hey, uh, um, I just want to tell you that the terminal just did something really polite. I only put in one dash before global. I, I made right. a typo. And it said, error. Did you mean dash dash global with two dashes? That's I have not the never terminal seen... being polite. Is that that is the git command being polite. I have never in my life seen that. That is that's Git is that's quite lovely. polite. No, you'll see you're gonna see later on actually that the git the git command line is actually quite helpful. It actually offers you little hints as we go. So that nice. I didn't know it did that. That's actually very nice. Yeah. Um because that's correct. Like, that is actually a, a, it gave you the correct suggestion. It told you what you meant, yeah, the norm- which is lovely. The normal command line response is eh. <laughs> yeah, nope. exactly. Error, unknown. <laughs> what are you talking about? Guess yeah, again. Usually, yeah. Wrong. If you're on the Mac, you can actually make Git pop up text edit. Oh, wow. And then you can use a GUI to enter your stuff. Now, if you just put in uh, git config minus minus global core dot editor text edit, you will then have to quit text edit to hand control back to Git. And that's a bit annoying if you have text edit open for other reasons. So a really good tip I came across was to use the open command, which has a flag minus E that says, I want to edit this in the GUI. And then you also give it the minus N flag, which tells open that you should open a separate copy of text edit. So in your doc, if you were using text edit, you'd see a second text edit appear in your doc, which means you can quit it without killing what you're doing in the other text edit. Hmm? I didn't know the Mac could do that. Oh, yeah, it's, it can do it just fine. It's just that if you double-click on stuff, it never does. But if you're on the terminal, you can make the Mac do your bidding. So oh. open space minus okay. N will always do that. So you can use that to make, like, two Firefoxes and stuff. Huh. Yeah, it's kind of clever. And then the other flag okay, is minus capital W, which is important because it will tell the open command to wait for you to close text edit before handing control back to Git, because otherwise Git will just get handed back an empty file. Okay, uh, I spoke over you as you said minus W, minus capital W is what he said. So what are you saying? It'll, before you close text edit, I'm confused. Okay, if you don't put the minus W for wait, the open command will immediately finish and hand control back to Git before you've had a chance to type anything. Oh, okay, okay. So how right. come this command doesn't say text edit anywhere? Uh, because we're using the open command so that we can have it open a separate instance. So minus E, the flag minus E to text to the open command is open in text edit. E for edit. Just be- oh, because the Mac expects open of a text file to always open text edit. Correct. Okay, so if you were to double click on any .txt file, it would open it in text edit. Therefore, this is going to open it in text edit. Got you. Okay. Huh. It's it's a bit hacky because at the end of the day, we're taking a Linux terminal command and trying to make it work in the Mac GUI, but it actually does work. I played about with it earlier. So the magic thing is to use open minus E minus N minus capital W, and then you have actually a workable solution. Okay, but you have to type that every time. No, no, you're no. telling core.editor to always open it that way. Bingo. Now, if you're on Windows... What you want to do is have notepad.exe take charge. So for Windows people, git space config space minus minus global core.editor notepad will work fine. That's a little more civilized on Windows. It is a bit, isn't it? 
Um, for the purposes of this installment, I am going to always use Nano. So I'm going to use that to set my editor settings and then I can open up. Uh, why is that gone italic in my show notes? Anyway, I'll have to fix my formatting. I've obviously made a mess somewhere. Um, I'm not I... seeing any odd italics on my version, so I'm not quite sure what's going on there. But So and you're going to it... use Nano. I think I'm going to stick with Nano too because I want to continue to flex my, my Nano muscles. Good. Okay, so... Now that we've set our editor, so git config minus one is global core editor nano, we can now edit our entire global config in one go by going git space config space minus one is global space minus minus edit, and it will open nano with the actual content of our global settings file. Yeah. And so what you will see is that in any format, sections are defined by the name of the section in square brackets. And then until you meet another section definition, all the lines below are considered part of that section. And then each line is a setting. And it's name, it's key equals value, key equals value. So in my case, it's open square bracket, user, close square bracket, email equals open source at bartofficer.net. On the next line, name equals Bart Bouchot's. Then open square bracket core, and the next line, editor equals nano. So we have three settings there, user.email, user.name, and core.editor. That's actually quite readable. It is. It is a very readable format. Amazing Microsoft maybe we, invented it. Right. Maybe we shouldn't be saying mean things about uh, .ini files. It looks pretty, pretty readable to me. I yeah. like it. Yeah. So there we go. We have now done some basic git configuration but we're actually going to do a little bit more playing with git config later but before we do that we actually need a repository to play in so yeah, let's okay. finally take this horse out of the barn actually almost <laughs> there's a command i want you to become really familiar with it's basically the where am i what's going on command git space status hmm. so I'm going to get you to issue the command when you're not in a Git repository at all, because then you're going to see what the null state of the Git status command is, right? If you're not in a repository, Git status is meaningless, um, and it will tell you. Basically, I want you to see what it does when you're not even in a Git repository. So if you just type Git space status in your home directory or whatever, you should see fatal, not a Git repository or any of the parent directories. Hmm. And then it says colon dot Git. So in other words, it, the reason, in order for something to be a Git repository, it or its parents must contain .git. And where you are now okay. doesn't have a .git, therefore you're not in a repository, therefore I'm cranky at you. Okay. So that's the null state. If you ever see a Git status that says fatal, not a Git repository, now you know. Okay, so now let's make a Git repository. To create a Git repository, you need an empty folder you go into that folder in the terminal and you type git space init. Or if you don't even want to do that, you can type git space init from anywhere and pass it the path to the folder as an argument. So you could do it either way. So git space commit, sorry, git space init space path, or just go there and type git space init. Given the fact that you're going to be in there anyway to do stuff, I tend to just go to the folder and type git space init. Okay. So in my example, I'm going to. Sorry. And we have. Oh, no, I wasn't talking. <laughs> we are having terrible lag. Go ahead. 
we are having terrible lag and your video is breaking up a lot as well. The, the, your, the internets uh. in San Diego are just not as happy as, as your usual internets. Anyway, no. in the examples, I am going to, I'd like you to make a folder called PBS103A, which is going to be the name of our repository. And I am going to save it into the temp folder in my documents folder on my home directory on my Mac. So I'm going to save it until the documents temp. So I'm going to make an empty directory called PBS103. I'm going to change into that directory. Then I'm going to do a git init. Um, and so you can see all of that in Wait the minute, show notes. Wait a minute, what does git init mean? So git init says, make me a repo. Turn this folder into a repo. Initialize this folder as a repository is what git init does. Okay. So that is the magic that says... Folder, thou art now a repository. Ta-da! And the, and the only thing that it actually did was it created an, an invisible file called .git. Right, which contains your database, your index, and the folder itself is your working copy. Okay. So now that you're in there, now we can do git status again, and now you can see what it looks like when you're actually in a repository. So I do git status and it says on branch master, no commits yet, nothing to commit. And it helpfully says create and copy some files and use git add to track. So there it's it being helpful again. Okay. So, so that output tells me a couple of important things. The first thing it tells me is what my current branch is, which is master. It would tell me what commit I was comparing to for my working copy if there was a commit, but there are no commits, so it's not telling me that. And if I had made some edits since the last commit, it would tell me what those were, but there are none, so it's telling me nothing to commit. So it's so this I'm is trying the to sort of the... What, I'm trying to track what I already know and what you've told us in this series. Have you really explained what a commit is? Yes, a commit is a snapshot of the current state of your repository. Okay, but it's saying there's no commits... But if I had been doing some editing and hadn't typed git space commit, then it would show that there were some changes? Yes. So the okay. database stores all of your commits. The working copy is the files you're actually seeing and editing. And the index okay. is tracking the difference between the last commit, if there is one, and your working copy. So at the moment, okay. it's saying nothing has ever been committed. There's nothing in your working directory. And there's no changes. There's just nothing in this empty folder. This is the most okay. boring thing I've ever seen. It is empty. Okay. However, we do have a default branch. It just made up for us, which in my case is master. Mm -hmm. So when I were to, if I were to do a git commit right now, it would be committed as master. Now, since there are no commits, then master is purely an aspirational what I will do in the future. So now is the perfect time to tell Git that actually I don't want to use master. That word has a whole bunch of baggage. So let us, in fact, change it to main. Oh, and if nice. you've been reading along in the Podfeet um, Slack, you will know that if you have a newer version of Slack, of not Slack, a newer version of Git, the, d the new default in recent versions of Git is actually main. So depending on how you installed git you may do this git status and you may see on branch main i don't i still see the old-fashioned on branch master but it's very easy to change the branch because the branch doesn't really exist yet because there are no commits it's kind of like what i'd like to do next so 
to change branch, you just check out the, the, the branch that you wish existed. So you just go git space checkout space minus b main. And it's a so switch. So what does checkout mean? We're going to circle back to checkout. For now, for today, I just want you to take that command as how to tell git to change its mind. We will come back okay. to git checkout in the future. Okay, so it's a switch to a new branch main. Does does the branch master still exist? It never existed in the first place because there are no commits yet. <laughs> so no. And neither oh. does main yet because okay, still so no you're, commits. You're, you're putting your foot out just about to step on a branch and it's telling you what you will step on if yes. you step, but we haven't stepped yet. That's okay. a really good analogy, yes. This is when okay. you type git commit, I am going to create a new branch main. Which is what you oh, want, okay. as opposed to creating yeah. a new branch master. So we just basically changed our mind. We're now pointing our foot somewhere else. But the other branch good. never really existed. So now we're good to go. So let's let's make a file. Oh, good. Uh, you could use your favorite text editor of choice, you know, VS Code or whatever. I'm going to keep this extremely simple. And I'm just going to use the echo terminal command to put a string into a text file. And there is a convention, and it is purely a convention that every Git repository should describe itself in a file named readme, in all capitals, .md, in lowercase. And that should be a markdown file that is sort of like the readme of the repository. So if you, a lot of tools expect this file and will do something clever with it. So if you go to GitHub into a project, you'll see on the front page, there's usually a description. That's actually readme.md converted to HTML. GitLab does the same behavior. So it's it's a you should always create a readme.md file. So okay. I'm going to use the echo terminal command to output hello world as a top level heading. So pound sign hello world exclamation point inside single quotes. Redirect that into the file readme.md. So that's just echo hello world the, arrow readme. You used a, a right uh, a greater than symbol into readme. Correct. So that's that's okay. as we learn in our taming the terminal. We're redirecting that string into that file. As I say, you could just use text edit or VS Code or whatever you like. Make a file named readme.md and save it into your PBS 103A folder. Okay. And so at this point, when we do a git status, git has now learned something. So it still says on branch main. So we're still, if we commit, we're still going to be committing to main. There are still no commits because we've made this file, but we haven't committed anything. So that still says no commits. But now it says something we haven't seen before. Untracked files. Mm. And then it, again, a useful hint because we still haven't committed anything. So Git still thinks we're neophytes. So Git is still giving us help. Use git add file to include in what will be committed. So it's actually telling us how we, will, how we can commit this file if we'd like to. And then it lists okay. the files that are change, which is in this case, readme.md. Okay. And then it says, nothing added to commit, but untracked files present, use git add to track. So it's telling us that our working copy has some changes. We haven't staged them and we haven't committed anything yet. Right. And you're going to explain what staging versus committing is. Right. So remember, I keep saying we have these three things. You have your, your database of what's permanently stored. You have your working copy, which is what actually exists in the folder, if you look in the finder. And then you have the index as sort of managing the transition from your working copy to commit. And the way you so move our database a change... Doesn't, so our database doesn't know about readme.md yet. 
our working copy does does is readme.md. Correct. And it would have maybe other files that we had committed, but right now it only has that. And then the index knows that readme.md uh, is not in the database yet. Yes, which, so that's the untracked file there. It's found is the index has figured that out. And so right. to move okay. a change, or in this case, a new file, from the working copy into a commit, there's a middle ground, which is called staging. So you're telling the index, the next time you commit, include this. I, I like to think of it as fixing to make a plan to commit. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> I like that. Yes, that is what it is. You're fixing to make a plan to commit. So the command to do that is to add the file because it doesn't exist yet in, in, in the staging area. So we want to add it to the staging area. So we will stage our first file by saying um, git. Oh, I've copied and pasted the wrong way. Changes, sorry. Uh, I forgot to actually put the git add into my copy and paste there, but you basically say git space add space readme.md, and then when you do a git status, you will see updated output. It will still say on branch main. It will still say no commits yet, but now it says changes to be committed. So not untracked files, it's now changes to be committed. In other words, it is now sitting waiting in the queue for the next commit. And it now says we could remove it with git or m minus minus cache to unstage. I'm not sure that's the world's most helpful hint. It probably would be better to (laughs) tell us how to commit. But anyway, that's git's choice of what to hint at you. Uh, And then it tells us that the one change being ready to commit is new file readme.md. One thing I'm liking here, I'm using the homebrew theme in terminal on Mac Mm -hmm. OS. And when my file was untracked, readme.md was in bright red uh and yes. now that it's staged it's kind of if you can call it gray but it's uh, so i've got bright green on black it's a it's a faded green so it's like well i'm i'm just sitting here fixing to make a plan but i'm i'm not really there yet yeah so even on a normal terminal git is actually one of the terminal commands that uses colors so oh, you will okay. always see cool. color differences which is great uh, yeah very very useful uh Okay, so we now have something staged. So we have our index now knows that the next time we commit, we want to take this file as part of the commit. So we're now ready for the first time ever to commit. Um, If you were to just type git space commit, you would indeed start the commit process. But that would cause git to bring up your default editor and ask you, what message should go with this commit? Because Git doesn't want you to just commit. It wants you to say what to describe in English what it is you're committing. If you don't want the editor to pop up, you can use the minus M flag to specify the message straight on the command line. And generally speaking, I find it easier to to just do the uh, do it with the minus M. So that is generally how I would do it. Um. So at that point, we say git space commit space minus m, and then inside quotation marks, my first commit, with an exclamation point. Hence the excitement. I'm going to be more useful and say added readme file. Okay, that also works. And then you'll see it says what it's doing. So it's going into main, my first commit, one file changed, insertions one, create mode, readme.md. 
And then we do a git status, and now it's being very quiet to us, because now that we've actually done a commit, it no longer thinks we're neophytes. So now it's only telling us the really basic stuff. You're on the branch main. Can I stop? There's nothing to commit at you? the moment. Sorry, Bert. Uh, mine barfed on me. What do you mean it barfed um, on you? I wrote git space commit. Oh, never mind. Because I did a typo, and now I'm in, a, I'm in some weird change. I'm in a... There we go. Control C. You're probably in nano, I guess. It was... I don't know. It was writing quote at me. So oh, no, you didn't. Uh, that was the terminal. If you started the quote but didn't finish your quote, the terminal lets you go into multiple lines. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I learned something there. Sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to no, make you fine. back up because I couldn't focus because I wasn't, wasn't keeping up with the class. Because that was All right, weird. So yeah. it just said added readme file, one file change, one insertion, create mode. Big long number readme.md. Yeah. So basically what it's saying there in, in, in Linuxy speak is I just made a file for you as part of this commit. Okay, great. Okay. So now if you do a git status, you're now in a new state, right? So the database now has a commit, and our working copy is now completely in sync with that commit. So actually you would expect the git status to be very sparse, and that's exactly what it is. So it just says you're on the branch main, there's nothing to commit, and your working tree is clean. Clean. Which basically, okay. is, is, clean is its code word for no change. The, the the working directory is entirely in sync with the last commit on your current okay. branch. So at the end of the day, when you call it a when you call it a day, you'd like to see git status that says nothing to commit working tree clean. It's like I have I have wrapped up for the day. I am done. It's a nice a nice quiet little um you know all good. Git status. So before we call it a day today, let's circle back to these Git configurations so that I can prove to you how these different levels work. So if we start off and we just do git space config space user.name, you'll see that it says whatever your global setting is we said earlier. So for me, it's Bart Boucher. If okay. I type git space config space minus minus local, space user.name, and then I put something else in, the Bartificer in this case. I have now set a local setting which supersedes my global. Because I'm in a repository now, so I can do that. And then if I type git space config space user.name, I will see the Bartificer, the local setting. Right. If I change to any other folder on my system, so in this case I just put cd space tilde to go to my home directory, and then I type git space config space user dot name. I see the global again, Bart Boucher. Hmm. And then I can go back to where I was with cd space minus to jump back into my pvs103 folder. And then if I do git space config space minus minus local user dot name, I'll see the Bartificer. But if I do git space config minus minus global user dot name, I'll see the global value, even though it's not operative. So you can see gotcha. that within that folder, local points to the Bartificer and global points to Bart Boucher. Right, right. So that proves that the, 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 the levels work the way I described. The last thing we might want to do is undo this faffing about, because actually I don't want my name to be the Bartificer, thank you very much. I would, I would like to remove that setting. I've made a setting, I want it to go away. The way to make a setting go away is to unset the setting with the minus minus oh. unset flag. 
So to clean up after myself, it's git space config space minus minus local space minus minus unset user.name. And now if I do a git config user.name, we're back to sanity. I'm back to being Bart Bouchot. Yes. Unset. Yeah. So, so you could open the config file and edit it and delete that line, I suppose. That would have exactly the same effect. Yes. You okay. could use minus minus edit and delete it. And you wouldn't want to manually change it back to Bart Bouchot's because now it's still, it a is local a setting. local setting. Yeah. Exactly. Even though it's the same, you could trick yourself into thinking you had fixed it and you hadn't actually, and it wouldn't change when everything else changed if you changed correct. later. Correct. Very okay. correct. So the last thing I thought might be worth doing today, because I did say in the last time, you know, to install a GUI client of choice as well. Git, because everything about Git is self-contained in that repository, you can use any client you want simultaneously with any other client and they'll all just work fine. So even though you're in the terminal there and working away on the command line, you could open your Git client of choice, Git Kraken or source tree, and look at, just open that folder. Just basically say file open and point it at that folder we've created and you will see that fo that repository in your GUI. And you can see the commit we've done and you can do any changes you like. And anything you do in the GUI will be reflected in the command line and anything you do in the command line will be reflected in the GUI and you can open five or six GUIs at the same time and watch them all show you the same information in their own unique and special ways. Uh, okay. Just a really nice touch. So, yeah. That's where I'm going to draw a line under it for uh Well, hang for this. on, hang on. I'm going to read what you wrote because you're not plugging your own stuff here. Um, he's got a oh, link yeah. to <laughs> Git Kraken in the show notes, and he made it his referrer code. So if you end up buying Git Kraken, you don't have to buy it. But if you do end up buying it, it would uh, help Bart out a little bit if you use the Git Kraken link in the show notes. That is true. I forgot I'd done that. Yes, I did actually go and look up my <laughs> referral link. Um, I should actually add that to how to support the show on... Um, Let's slash talk while I'm at it next to my other affiliate. Yeah, things. there you go. Right, right, right. Okay, so we know how to configure Git. We can configure Git and we've made a repository and we have committed a file. So that is a part of version control, adding stuff. But uh, editing and changing is obviously much more part of what we're doing. So that's where we're going next, right? Uh, your project will evolve over time. So you're going to make changes to files you're going to add new files delete files try things out in one branch versus another branch so all of this is where we're going next so we've actually start managing our changes but you know the horse has left the barn so i didn't promise you <laughs> you did you did let us out I that's fantastic well all right until the next time I'm going to say happy computing and happy version controlling. If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed. <laughs>